me the essentials. Just the essentials. I only brought the essentials. I never leave home without all the essentials. You're listening to Pop Culture Essentials, your guide to the latest movies. I love this movie. Oh, I love this movie. Games, TV, 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 TV. And you know what else else? Streaming. Christy, wake up! And pop culture news. Pop culture and current events. So sit back, relax, and let your host, Alistar, Nick, and Pete take you through this week's Pop Culture Essentials. Welcome back to Pop Culture Essentials. I'm Alistair, and with me for this week's episode is Nick. Oh, hello there. And Pete. Hi, hi. Welcome back. Welcomed and back. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be a very long show. All right. (laughs) Yeah, good times. Um... (laughs) Well, if you stop pausing, it'll be a lot shorter, Alistair. Uh, <laughs> wow, I'm leaving that chair creaking. <laughs> Let's jump straight into movies now. Pete, what is happening with news? Well, what is happening with news is, unfortunately, the fourth Star Trek film we all thought we were getting is probably never going to happen. But... Um, the writers, Patrick McKay and J.D. Payne, have revealed a little bit about what would have been Star Trek IV, which, um, was going to reunite the two Chris's, Pine and Hemsworth, um, because I think a lot of people forget that Chris Hemsworth was in the first Star Trek film as mm-hmm. Chris Pine's dad, um, so this would have had them both, like, in a in like a time transporter pattern, which basically would have meant that they were acting along, like performing alongside each other. It was like described as a grandfather, son space adventure, like Indiana Jones and last crusade, but in space, Oh, Um, which would have been really, really, really cool. But, um, uh, Star Trek beyond flopping kind of, well, flopping in terms of Star Trek movies. Um, and the script from Quentin Tarantino never really uh, came oh, to fruition. I, I forgot about loved, that. I would have loved a Star Trek four from Quentin Tarantino. <sighs> um, yeah. But yeah, so I think it's just you know it's kind of one of those sad news stories where you're like, oh, what, what could have been, um, but probably never will. Like I don't think, I think if we get a Star Trek film, it's going to be completely like re retooled and revamped and rebooted i don't think the chris pine star trek movies are going to um go forward which is a shame because i think that's a really strong trilogy oh yeah i and i mean like it's kind of interesting the time jump thing would have been really fun but at the same time like star trek beyond is a good finish to that trilogy so i feel like i don't feel like i'm losing out like i don't feel like the story's incomplete but the fact that we were potentially going to get a Quentin Tarantino Star Trek and then this one is kind of like, shit, that could have been really cool. And I, a part of me was like, well, clearly Star Trek Four got into talks when with like Hemsworth when everyone was like, oh, you're now a giant movie star. <laughs> um, so, you know, but yeah, it, it just, it's a shame that we're not getting it. But as Nick said, like those three movies work perfectly as like a encapsulated trilogy. So... Mm you know no no it's like at least we can you can watch star trek beyond and not be like oh there's meant to be a fourth movie like it's done so yeah totally yeah agreed 
Uh, Nick, what's happening in games? Well, in gaming this week, we're moving to the world of virtual reality or augmented reality or just reality that's not reality. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this article through the week, but there is a metaverse uh, called Decentraland. And ultimately what it is, is uh, virtual real estate. This company that runs uh, Decentraland was valued at over a billion dollars. And in one 24-hour period, they had 38 people using their metaverse. So it's kind of kind of leaning towards the fact that is the metaverse ahead of its time? Is it something that people aren't really excited for? It's it's one of those things where they had, no, I think they said here, 90,000 plots of virtual land to sell and only up to 8,000 people in total have actually been on inside this virtual reality. So... It doesn't look really strong at the moment for for this business and it comes hot off the news as well that metaverse from the company meta the artist formerly known as facebook uh currently they wanted five hundred thousand users in their metaverse by the end of the year and they only have two hundred thousand so i don't know i don't know what you guys think about metaverses at the moment but it just seems like they kind of came out a bit too strong too quick just for a comparison the uh Decentraland 8,000 users is still behind what the average daily users for Left 4 Dead 2 is on Steam. Which Left 4 Dead 2, for those who uh, are unaware, came out in 2009. So, 13 years later and it's still more popular than any sort of metaverse at the moment. So, yeah. look, Looks like we're going to be staying in the real world for a little bit longer, guys. Damn it. When can we go Ready Player One? Oh, see, that's what we need. I don't want to buy virtual real estate. Just put me in there with every movie character and every video game character of all time. Exactly. Uh, in streaming news, Matt Reeves' uh, HBO Max spin-off show, The Penguin, uh, has recruited director Craig Zobel. Uh, he is set to nice. direct the first two episodes. If you don't know who that is, uh, he is best known for directing the HBO series, The Mayor of Easttown. Uh, he also did the film The Hunt and Z for Zachariah. Two oh, yeah. underrated films, in my opinion. Like, Agreed. that's a really good resume. <laughs> so, oh, God, yeah. Colin Farrell will return as Oswald Cobblepot. Uh, and the series will pick up two weeks after the end of the Batman film. Nice. I'm pretty keen for this. I actually forgot about it until I read this article. I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Cool. You survived the great HBO Max cut thing. The great cull. The great cull of HBO Max. But, of course, one of their best performing movies of the year is if they're going to fuck around with that. Yeah. Yeah. And look, something else that didn't make the cut this week was Cartoon Network. I don't know if you guys heard this. Uh, Uh, this. It's no longer a thing. Uh, It's it's so insane that there's like, they're just getting rid of like networks like this. It's really quite scary. It's crazy. Well, they're merging it and to call it Warner Brothers Animation. Um... Mm. Yeah, I don't know, like, I've always had the Cartoon Network channel, like, since I was a kid on Mm. Foxtel. Yeah. So, for me, it's always been around. 
Um, it's still a channel. It's still around. Okay, cool. What now? Like, is anyone else a bit like, ugh, that's a weird decision? It's it's kind of worrying as well that, like, if they're putting it under the Warner Brothers animation, like, banner, right? I mean, like, I was just about to counter my own point because I was worried about Adult Swim there for a second. But I'm like, I guess Warner Brothers animation (laughs) also do, like, the Mortal Kombat Legends animated series. They've made some pretty dark Batman stuff, some pretty dark Mm. DC stuff. So, I mean, like, there is a chance that Adult Swim doesn't get touched too much. But if you, I mean, if we're paying close attention, a lot of Adult Swim stuff is kind of playing on Netflix. You like look at Rick and Morty and things like that. So maybe Netflix look for purchasing Adult Swim. It could so happen. They are rated content alive. They probably want to sell as much as they can. <laughs> Speaking of selling, Nick, it's that time. The it's most hated game on this podcast. Speaking of selling, is movie as tag. they say. Movie Tag, back again, because I can't think of any other games to play. So, let's play Movie Tag, as always. This is a movie-guessing game in which I will give the boys, Alistair and Pete, a tagline from a film. If they can't guess it after one guess, I will give them a piece of trivia. If they can't guess from that, they get a supporting actor. Then the year the movie was made. Then the film's director. There is a theme. And with Halloween ends hitting cinemas... We're doing, for movie tag, movies that are set on Halloween night. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean horror films. This is just movies that are set, have at least a majority of the films set around Halloween and partially take place on Halloween night. Okay. And let's just say the one hint I'm giving you is that it's not always horror films. So, moving into movie tag, the tagline for this film is... What would you do if you knew the future? Oh, Any God. guesses? Um, what would you do if you knew the future? What would you do if you knew the future? And it's set on Halloween night. This, I will say this movie is set around Halloween and there is scenes that take place oh, on oh, Halloween Oh, around night. There are scenes that take place on Halloween night. It's not Arrival, is it? It's not Arrival, Pete. Do you want to have a guess? What would you do? Oh, um, uh, I think I picked a good one this week. I'm excited. I'm actually drawing a complete. Okay. <gasps> all good, all good. That's not a movie. Um, so we'll move on to <laughs> trivia. So the trivia for this film is filmed over a period of 28 days, which matches the length of the time depicted in the film. Oh, is oh sorry. Can I guess? You can, you can absolutely guess. Okay, is it Donnie Darko? Alistair, it is Donnie Darko. What a guess. I thought it was Minority Report. That's not a bad guess as well. <laughs> so, yes, <laughs> what would you... Oh. 28 days, I was like, is it 28 days? <laughs> <laughs> like, that wasn't though, filmed but... on Halloween. <laughs> so, yes, oh, Donnie nice. Darko, as you would Donnie know, obviously. Donnie Darko. The big Halloween party uh, and the big climax of the film taking place on October 31st. The supporting actor was going to be Patrick Swayze. The movie no. came out in 2001 and was directed by Richard Kelly. Kelly. I love Donnie Darko. Love, love, love this movie. Who doesn't? And was really lucky. I was. We got to see it in cinemas when they re-released it in 4K for the 15th anniversary. So to see it in cinemas was incredible as well. Great movie. 
Nice. One of the taglines, just before we move on, was, why do you wear that stupid man suit? And I was oh, like, that's, that's too easy. Yeah. Let's pick another one. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, that was the most civil game of movie tag yet. Look at us go. Well, it things come unhinged when Rotten Potatoes comes into play. <laughs> We're barely up in the iceberg that's, yet. <laughs> that's uh, when it starts. So, you know, I'm sure it's coming. And I know we're all excited for it. <laughs> all right, let's go to... Uh, I'm going to leave you guys here and move to our chat about packs with Pat and Luca. Welcome back to Pop Culture Essentials. I am Alistair. I've kicked the other two, Pete and Nick, out of the chat. Uh, and instead, I have two other members of the Novastream crew here to talk about a very big gaming event that happened this week in Melbourne. Of course, I'm talking about PAX. And with me to chat, I've got Pat. Good morning. How are you? Good. Whatever it is. Uh, it is evening. Evening. <laughs> if it's morning for you, whoa, long day, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and joining us as well is Luca. Yeah, well, it's evening where I am in Melbourne, so... Yeah. So I think there's something special there in Sydney that we're maybe missing. It it, it must be, or I'm just... It's, it's been a long week. The Pax Pox is real. Ah, <laughs> uh, it is definitely real. Now, look, this year was very different. We had two years of online-only events... Uh, I don't know about you, but I didn't really do much in the online space for the two years I, due to not nah, too much. I did a lot. I, but not the Australian stuff. I was very ah. lucky to start picking up, um, uh, talking with people from PAX, uh, all throughout sort of North America and yeah, still talk to, uh, different companies. Uh, throughout Asia and whatnot that uh, yeah it's still sort of going on so that side of it was pretty cool but yeah missing the the in-person yeah uh, events Luca did you do much online over the two-year pandemic I did did plenty online but nothing to do with um, nothing to do with media or anything I actually uh, have never been to a PAX before online or in person what was this your first PAX yeah and Given what everyone has been saying about it being a perhaps subpar pack, so I'm like, bugger. Wow. That just, you just changed the conversation. You've just completely changed the conversation. <laughs> that is insane. Okay. I have to start with you. I was going to open, but you tell us your thoughts because I don't want to cloud your, your judgment. What did you think? Um, it'll be a miracle if I didn't get COVID. That was my first thought. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I really liked it. Yeah. Just a really good feel. I have been to comic cons and supernovas and things. Obviously they're a bit more generalized, but, uh, just really liked the vibe. Um, it was a few less large players than I was expecting. Um, I might've expected to see a bit of a Nintendo or PlayStation or even an Xbox. So I was a bit surprised to see a bit of an absence from them. But yeah, uh, overall, didn't really touch any of the panels. Nothing sort of caught my fancy. Um, watched a bit of esports, you know, browsed some uh, tabletop gaming and things like that. But mainly just a lot of time in the indie uh, indie booths because 
there's some really cool stuff in there at the moment. Well, you'll be happy to know that normally there is a PlayStation, an Xbox, and a Nintendo uh, who were noticeably missing. Mm-hmm. And before the night before Thursday night, I was sitting at home and I'm just sitting here going, oh, I just feel like it's going to be ugh, like not that great. If, if they're not there, there must be a reason. Mm. I don't think it's going to be that great. And I am happy to say that I was very wrong. Um, I actually feel like this is my favorite PAX so far and i didn't think i would say that i uh i liked seeing a lot of the there was a lot of sort of more unique things like the custom pcs and things like that which i'm guessing is probably a recurring thing i mean it's sort of the space and, yeah uh, it certainly enjoyed enjoyed a lot of that enjoyed the, the smaller booth and things like that display cases things but yeah some of the things like square enix and hyperx it was sort of a glance in and walk past situation. That Indies booth though was, I, I don't know. I feel like I don't remember the last packs that I went to and it would have been 2019 now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember the Indies booth being that packed. Like, as many games as there was at this one. No, I think there was more last time. Well, it felt oh, like there was really? more. Okay. Yeah. Um, this time around, it seemed to be a lot more condensed as well. Plus, in my opinion, it was way too oversold. I was talking with uh, someone that was working there on the Sunday. Okay. And they were telling me oh, there was something like 100,000 people that went through the doors on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, which in that space, it's, you know, there was a lot of lining up to line up. Yeah. If you get my drift. Yeah, there sure was. <laughs> so there was, you know, the, the noticeable, um, the big three not being there was, was noticeable. But then again, in 2019, I didn't spend a lot of time with them. Uh, Ubisoft not being there, I thought they might have had something to show, especially with Skull and Bones. Yeah. Uh, Good point. You, you know, that was... The the Ubisoft I didn't know about beforehand. The other three, the three big ones I did. Mm. But, yeah, the Ubisoft sort of was one that I noticed a, a big hole sort of being where they were. But, again, that was taken up more so this time by Amazon, uh, which had a big uh, Amazon Prime showing. I was so grateful for my media pass and the first thing that I did when I, so for those that don't know, if you go in as media, you get to go in an hour earlier on the Friday to kind of get a lay of the land. If you haven't had time to organize interviews or whatever, you can run around like crazy people like I did and try and talk to people and organize times and stuff like that. I went straight to the prime booth because I saw the words Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, and was like, uh, I'm going straight here. Uh, I never got a chance to go in, so please enlighten. So they had costumes from the actual show in glass containers in this huge, like, walkthrough exhibit. They had five uh, Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power pins 
which they thankfully gave me all five while I was standing there freaking out over one of Galadriel's costumes going, this is insane. (laughs) And I'm like, this can't be real. They're like, yeah, literally like when PAX is over, it's straight back on a plane to London. I'm like, that's insane. Why would you do that? (laughs) But thank you. You're going to be the busiest booth at PAX. And they were, the lines were ridiculous. Um, they also had pins and uh, walk through stuff for the boys. Um, and what's their other big show? Reacher. Reacher, thank you. Reacher, yeah. And the other one with John Krasinski, Jack Ryan, is um, it? Jack, uh, yeah. Is it Jack Ryan? Yeah. Um, so, look, it was actually pretty good. Uh, I was very, very surprised that they put that much effort into it because I feel like last time Pax was on... There was like maybe a TV screen and I think I got a boy's pin and that was their contribution. Man, I, I wish that uh, the word had it got out because that sounds awesome. I would have queued for that. It was on Nova Stream Story. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the queues were ridiculous. Every time I walked past, it was full. Um, so, yeah insane like the one i wouldn't think to put something like that in packs but it's kind of the perfect environment right oh definitely yeah for sure i i i did end up going on the saturday and i feel like my my that was my regret because there were so many people it was just uh getting into anywhere as you say it was queuing to queue so man next year i gotta try try a friday friday or or a sunday yeah, fright. I didn't end up going on Sunday because I was wrecked, like completely wrecked. Friday was nowhere near as busy as Saturday, but it was still busy. Um, yeah, su- Sunday was a step down. It was. It was still, still a lot of lining, but, um, you know, for for one at one stage, I got on to play um, Alone in the Dark, the demo for that, and. Oh that was only a a 10 or 15 minute wait for that one. So it wasn't too bad. Yeah. Is, is it weird to say that the, (laughs) that the biggest queue and the biggest game was Sonic Frontiers? Yeah. (laughs) Not at all. That is definitely the biggest queue. I was like, what is going on? What world do I live in? Doesn't everyone just automatically hate this game? It hasn't even come out (laughs) yet. The queue was insane. They were doing Sonic mascot photos, which was cool. Um, They gave you 15, 20 minutes with the game, which is quite a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, Did either of you play it? Uh, No. I never saw the queue less than two hours wait time. Yeah, same. So, no thanks. I'll wait for it to come out. That was a spiral. That was absolutely enormous. I, I got to say, I reckon I would attribute that to the films more than anything else. I reckon... Oh, I mean, right. Okay. Yeah, I reckon, I reckon so many people in those queues maybe have never, never played a more recent Sonic game, or else they probably wouldn't be in the queue. Well, lucky them. <laughs> lucky them that they didn't have to play Forces. Anyone remember that game? <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Anyway, the less we say about that, the better. Um, did, did you did you like Sonic Frontiers when you played the, the demo? Um, I was... Eh, I don't know. 
I'm I'm a 2D oh god I sound like a douchebag but I'm a 2D Sonic fan so anytime you try and take like it's the first game I ever played was Sonic the Hedgehog mm. 1 like I was a Sega kid so you take something like love and you 3D it and you change everything about it eh, that hurts me deeply <laughs> um, I still play them all but yeah, I'm like, eh, I don't think it's a, a decision I can make in a 20 minute time frame with people hovering over me. I don't know. It's funny. I think I, I played other than indie demos. I played one of the, well, managed to get into one of the AAA offerings. Uh, and of course it was, um, it was Battlefield. It was the new Battlefield. All right. Oh, God. There was, there I, was I didn't computers. even know that was there. Yeah. It's like at least half a dozen free computers standing uh, standing, and, and everyone walking past. Didn't realize what it was until I got to the PC. Oh, wow. Okay. But, so, look, the as we were talking about before, the indies section was... I feel like I played more indies this time than I did last time. Um, and... I don't know if you guys saw the queue for the cult of the lamb. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. <laughs> great. They sold out of merch Friday yep. and Saturday. The absolute love and passion for this game is in like, it's off the charts and very well deserved. Let's oh, be honest. It's amazing. Just so it's... you know, you guys are in my, um, in my cult on my switch, by the way, that's, that's good to hear. I'm, it's I'm a Nova, glad. it's a Nova stream cult. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. That's good to hear. I've, I've been playing. I think I've finished that three or four times now. Um, you know, and, and did, a, did some coverage on it when it first released and whatnot and absolutely loved the game. Uh, didn't play it down there. Went and had a bit of yeah. a look, had a bit of a chat. Um, was more excited that I actually got my hands on that playstation controller with the uh with the lamb's wool on it did you see that there by any chance i did <laughs> it is so absolutely disgusting yep. that i want one yep yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think everyone was in the same boat we all want yep. one it's weird yep. it's cool give it to me how much yes how much uh but they were re- they were really great the crowd loved them obviously so it's you know pretty exciting to see what happens next with them um hoping for big things Mm. uh i played i think this is the most interesting game that i played during the expo and forgive me i'm just finding the name because my memory is trash because i'm old uh it's called the god feather (laughs) did anyone else play this (laughs) Yeah. So the yeah. Pr- the premises of this game is you're a pigeon, uh, and essentially your goal is to fly around and shit on people. Like that's what they told me is the essence of this game, and I'm like, cool. Hand me the controller. I'm in. Five stars. End of the year. Yeah, yeah. You'll be cult of the lamb next year. Don't worry, guys. That's where <laughs> yes. you'll be. We'll That's where you're headed. Holding a PlayStation controller covered in pigeon feathers, 
saying, take our money. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I I didn't actually get hands on with that one, but I watched enough people playing it. It's just, yep, sign me up. I got so all their details to, to have a chat with them and keep an eye on it. What do, what else did you play, Pat, in the Indies? Um, well, I'm going to plug one here. Okay. And I played it because I played the demo and we didn't actually know this game was there. But uh, it's called Repeller Fella. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember seeing this game and I made a very witty comment about it, but continue. Okay. Well, Repeller Fella, I auditioned to be a voice actor on it. Oh, wow. And my co-host, Luke, uh, actually got a part on it. Okay. So he's he's actually in the game. Uh, we didn't know that uh, that Repeller Fella was going to be there for PAX. So actually going and meeting this per- and meeting the guy that was that's making it. Um, the game's finished. They're hoping to have it released by the end of the year. Uh, they're just doing like all the final polishes and whatnot. But um, yeah, it was good to to actually go and meet with them and see the you know the bit of love that's being put, done for it. So Repeller Fella's a uh, 2D point-and-click adventure, but it is very crass um, Aussie style of humour and, you know, for a a 2D um, point-and-click, it's actually quite uber-violent as well. So uh, a bit of fun and one definitely to have a have a crack at so it's uh, we we got to have a talk talk with that talk with a few of the other people that were there uh and that was one that um yeah it stood out again to to actually see it on the floor when we weren't expecting it which was a bit of fun nice did you Um, guys have a crack at it at all or what was your witty comment well uh i turned to my friend i was with and said oh look they made a game based on my single life in my 20s (laughs) <laughs> good times uh good I'm, times. I'm sad i didn't play it now it was always busy yes always busy <clears throat> always hmm. the demo that they had there is actually on steam though if you want to have a crack it is it is amazing i am taking note of that right now because <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic hmm. it started off as like a single single uh single dev passion project he yeah, did, yeah, uh, yeah. Like started hammering away, uh, hammering away at it, and he mentioned it's yeah, fully voiced over a hundred voice actors, and I guess yep. one of them's wow. a friend. <laughs> yeah, That's... one of them's a one of them's a good mate. But yeah, it's six years in development, and it's just it's just about there. So um, I'm pretty excited for that one, and excited to see because we've been following it along for so long. Um, you know, exciting to see when it releases and what sort of uh, reception it gets. Yeah. Was there anything else that you played uh, apart from that? Random that Mind stood out. Random Mind was another one, okay. Which was um, Blowfish Studios. Mm-hmm. So Random Mind, um, I actually got to talk with the the Blowfish people. So had a crack of that. Had a crack of a new uh, a new unannounced game, which when we've been asked not to talk, well, they sort of said to me, "Don't talk about that one." So I went. Oh, okay. but that was. That was really cool, actually. I can't wait to see more about that one. But yeah, Random Mine is a 
Um, did either of you guys play Core Keeper? I didn't know. No? No. Uh, okay, Core Keeper was like a um, an underground sort of toned-down version of Minecraft uh, and a top-down sort of thing. Random Mind's kind of like a 2D side-scroller version of Core Keeper. Kind of, a lot of it looks similar as well, uh, but essentially it's a, um, a little mine building adventure type game where you, you're digging away in the mines and, and just finding new things and finding new areas and progressing yourself through the through it so okay yeah that one was a bit of fun too plus there was a there was a heap of others that you know you just sort of had um a, a couple of quick goes at uh just try and find this video there was one called conscript which was mm. down the back, which kind of gave me uh, Fallout One sort of vibes. Okay, uh, bit of a bit of a sort of Fallout style uh, in that one, and then the other one that I was sort of interested in was uh, one called Dredge by Team Seventeen, and um, yeah, Team Seventeen and Black Salt Games. Okay, so cool. I only yeah, I've got had a little go with that one, but it's sort of like a um, uh, you, you you're on a fishing boat and you've got to fish these dangerous waters and take it back to um, back to your town, sort of thing. Uh, but again, yeah, I only had a quick go with that one because there was lots of lines and yeah, that looks like one. It's another one that I'm sort of keeping an eye on for the future. That one's a, a kiwi um, kiwi backed one by looks of things. Okay. Hmm. But they're probably the main ones. Yeah. Luca, did you see anything else that you were interested in? I'll just um, plug Dredge a little bit more. I think the um, episode one is actually on Steam as a demo as well. Um, it was part of the Next Fest, but I think they extended it to the 17th, if I remember correctly. Really, really solid. Didn't end up playing it at PAX, but was really impressed by it just on Steam. Cool. Um, um couple of others, yeah. Chapter Sora. one, three. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Talking yeah, myself in the it's... background. <laughs> I grab it. It's yeah. As I said, it was really unexpectedly <laughs> excellent. <laughs> yeah, I saw a couple of others. There was a one called Dark Light. Uh, which is also actually available now uh, from Singapore. A uh, bit of a side-scrolling, sort of post-apocalyptic uh, just, uh, sort of action game. But really liked the combat. Really smooth. Felt really good to play. A little bit challenge with uh, with reflexes, but just generally really, really nice. Cool. Oh, yes. Adding that to the list. Um, I played... I think very different games to you guys. <laughs> um, one I played was called A Halloween Valentine. Um, and the description of this game is what initially got me. Uh, it's a puzzle adventure set in a haunted amusement park on Valentine's Day. Interesting. I'm like, okay, you got the weirdness. Sell me the game. Uh, yeah, yeah. and the guy that made it is actually a, uh, musician and makes like 
pop albums and he wanted to insert that into a game. The soundtrack is incredible, what he's done so far. Um, and he only had a little bit to show because there's a lot of work to do. Um, but it's such a, like, it's such a crazy thing to play an indie game with a full, like a fully realized soundtrack. It's going to have an, a, a Spotify and an Apple Music playlist that you can listen to. Um, that he's, you know, composed from scratch to accompany the game. That kind of thing is totally up my alley for something different. Uh, so I'm looking forward to see how how he goes on that. He'll be hopefully back next year um, to show more of the game. Uh, another one that I played, apart from uh, the pigeon poop, was uh, Nightcrawlers. Mm-hmm. Did you guys have a look at that one? I vaguely remember it. It sounds familiar. Yeah, so it's from Good Morning Games. Uh, So they're actually a husband and wife team. Um, I got to speak to them. We'll have a review up on uh, an interview up on NovaStream when our site starts working again properly. Uh, And (laughs) so it's a roguelike action RPG slash dungeon crawler thing. Um, you basically like fight hordes of these like corrupted things and you have powerful skill cards, you like enchant your weapons and just all this crazy stuff. The guy making the game was up until 3am fixing a bug where if you, uh, like punch someone too hard in the dungeon it just completely crashes the game. And as he was telling me this, <laughs> someone did it and the game crashed. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it really just showed like how fresh the games you get are. They're literally being worked on um, as, you know, as they're, as they're making them. And that like, that was another one where the line was always full, always full. Uh, which is just, it's so exciting to talk to Aussies making games and seeing, you know, people who are going to front up money essentially to buy these games lining up to play. I saw people walking around making lists of games that they want to wishlist on Steam. Um, and that's just such, such a cool thing to see. It's probably happened before, but this year I really noticed um, a lot of people doing that, deliberately going (laughs) around and chatting to the devs, just saying, oh, hey, what's your game about? And yeah, it's just the complete opposite of, you know, what we as gamers are painted as, really. Yeah, yeah. As like antisocial, we sit in a room on our own playing our computers and don't, you know, interact with the world. And PAX, especially this year, and I I can't pinpoint what it is, but I felt like the sense of community was really strong this year. Hmm. And you know what? I think some, some of it has to do with the fact that those big three weren't there. Because... I think you just nailed pe- it. I think you yeah, just nailed it. The, the people that were walking around that indie section, you know, uncovering these gems... 
would have been lining time, up at PlayStation. They would have been for lining two hours. up. Yeah. Yeah. That's so whether, such a good point. You know, like um, I think the the biggest lineup that was there in 2019 was Nintendo, and that just oh. you couldn't get near the thing. Yeah. Insane. Um, you know, uh, so so to have them not there and just sort of free up people's time, so to speak, um, there's a lot more people in and around those indies, which is, you know, that's that's really what packs at its core sort of started off as. Yeah, yeah. You know, to to highlight these these teams of people that are that are out there doing the new thing and and doing something a little bit different because. You know, like Cult of the Lamb, Untitled Goose Game. Oh, yeah. You know, these these weird, you know, and wonderful ideas that are so Australian but so left field, and you know they get they get a national or an international stage at something like this. It's it's what's needed more of. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm the first time I ever went to PAX. I lined up. I think it was three hours to play. I can't even remember the game now, um, but it was like a PlayStation game. Yep. And the game was coming out in two months. Mm. And my friend turned to me and said, "Hey, we've just lined up this long to play a game that we're going to have in two months. Why?" <laughs> Like, honestly, why? We got to play it for five minutes. We're going to have it at home. Why are we doing this? And I was like, that's such a good point. And ever since then, I will not line up for something that I know I'm going to buy anyway. (laughs) Just to, you know, build that hype machine for five minutes. That's that's where my antisocial gamer comes in. I don't like to line up. Yeah. I sit in traffic all day in Sydney. I'm not going to go on holidays <laughs> and sit in traffic. <laughs> True. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I do have to say, I was also really impressed by uh, the New Zealand offerings. There was like a little, uh, well, not little at all, sort of a New Zealand section of the indie section. And they've just basically, the government's just uh, started up this whole digital initiative to get game developers going in New Zealand. There were some awesome games in there. I think I stood for about mm. 10 minutes just flying around in this new one called uh, Taroa, which isn't coming out for a little while now, but... Oh, they just I saw that one too. Yeah, you're just flying around as a bird. Yeah. And they basically just talked about how they just really wanted to nail the feeling of flying, and that was their goal. Yeah. Those they graphics were amazing. Yeah. And that's like at least 12 to 15 months away from, from completion. Insane. So good. There's um, also a, a big section there of um, Tassie games as well. Mm. So a lot of... Uh, I, I know a lot of Aussies kind of forget that Tasmania is still part of us. <laughs> but um, they, there were there. Was a, they, they were there. And uh, they all sort of got together and all come up together and ended up being like, I think it was eight different developers. That, that had brought up games for it, and they were all in their one little section as well. I can't remember any of the names for them, so I apologise to them for that. But I do have photos that I'm still pouring through and and stuff in the background to um, yeah, to find out exactly who they are. Mm, okay, nice. And while we're on states, South Australia too, uh, I kept making a mistake <laughs> when I was talking 
particularly these games, Nightcrawlers and um, uh, Halloween <laughs> Nightmare, was like, oh, great. So you made this game, you know, you're in Melbourne, right? No, South Australia. Oh, I'm sorry. Next booth. Oh, Melbourne. No, South Australia. Oh, damn it. You'd think I would learn. No, I kept saying no. Melbourne. Um, that's just where we are right now. <laughs> Crazy. Um, but yeah, South Australia games was insane. Mm-hmm. I think I found one stray developer from Western Australia. Oh, what game was that? One, Do you remember? One lone guy. Oh man. No, that one's, that one eludes me. I'll have to find the. Oh, and the chicken game. Oh, yes. I kicked myself that I went over, I watched someone play it. I was like, oh, this game looks totally like something I would love. And every time I went back, they were just swamped. So I'm like, okay, missed my chance. You're an idiot. The amazing chicken adventure. That's it. Yeah. Oh, I'm definitely keeping my eye out on that. Apologies, developers. I didn't get your name. Sorry, I'm an idiot, but I will definitely be buying your game when it comes out. Because it looks hilarious. Did you guys check out any of the panels over the weekend? It's I feel like it's a really niche thing to go to a panel. Usually, you know, the opening one on Friday. Uh, this year we had the PlayStation, which was also weird that they weren't there, but they sent... Wow, my brain is just not functioning the, uh, tonight. Sh- Edit. Shishida. That is the one. Uh, yep. To do the opening presentation, question mark? Like, what? <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, it was, that was on, yeah, Friday lunchtime or something. I was still driving yeah. down on Friday, so I missed that one. Um, I also missed one on Sunday. I got my timing mixed up, uh, which was uh, a few different content creators that... Um, you know, I've had dealings with over the years, and one in particular, Icy, who I've spoken to, God, so many times, and especially of recent, because her daughter's got type 1 diabetes, and so does mine. Right. And sort of um, bouncing ideas, like I've, I've asked her for help or input or ideas on certain things, and she's been fantastic for that. But they did a, um, I think it was gaming, gaming as an old you know gaming being an older gamer or something along those lines which i thought would be a bit of a laugh but apparently that went off really well i've watched it on youtube it was um it was really good but the uh the big one that i went and saw was a conversation with the boys oh i heard about this yeah so the boys are uh, a couple of content creators that i started following years ago um they do some VR work, so it's uh, Josh Dub, Mully, Juicy, Eddie VR, and your narrator. They also had some stuff with Rekid uh, originally, but he's not part of this section of it anyway. I don't know if you guys remember the the No No Square song. It was a big TikTok thing a little while ago. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So these are the guys that did that. Um, anyway, so they they were on. A panel which was absolutely hysterical they talked about their individual channels they talked about 
um, their joint channel, which is the boys, which is uh, they're sort of stepped away from video games together, and it's an in real life thing. Right. Um, yeah, talked about music collaborations they're doing. Uh, a bit of everything, really. It was actually it was quite a lot of fun, and especially seeing as though they were just allowed to let go. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was it was good to just sit back and have a laugh because you know Mully in particular is very uh, he's he's Australian. Um, I'm pretty sure Josh is as well. Uh, narrator and Eddie are from overseas, um, but. Yeah, Mully in particular is that, well, for lack of a better phrasing, he's a bogan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so to just watch him let go, like get let loose and, you know, the guys bouncing off each other live on stage as well, it was just, it was a really entertaining hour. Okay, cool. Um, I went to a couple of, like, uh, the NBN theatre was my go-to for some weird reason uh so the ones that i went to were all about like uh pitching for paid work in games journalism surprise surprise mm-hmm. um <laughs> uh writing for and about games without needing to you know be on twitch <laughs> um and kind of making money the more traditional way but with websites and digital media as opposed to you know, putting stuff in the newspaper, which is not really much of a thing anymore. Yeah. Um, which was interesting. There were some really good, knowledgeable people there. They were pretty generous with their, hey, if you want to pitch an article, here's my email address, which I was like, what? Um, so, like, the editors of, like, Kotaku, uh, Press Start, and another one called Gaming Hub that I haven't heard of mm-hmm. before. Um well, like, yep, here's our email addresses. Send us your pictures. Okay, sweet. The Jackbox parties. I don't know if either of you went to them, but they are always fun every year. Um, they had their own Jackbox lounge next to the handheld um, lounge area where you could just go sit on a beanbag, pull out your phone, join in a game of Jackbox. Um, yeah. Lots, lots cool. of fun. Like, I've... Yeah, that game's really solidified itself as, like, a PAX permanent. i got to say, I'm yeah. gathering up all the things that I'm going to do next year, because truly, being a first-timer, I had no idea most of this stuff uh, existed. I think there's kind of a little bit of an assumption that from PAX's end, you already kind of know what's going on. I don't blame them for that. Obviously, hundreds of thousands of people do. But it'll be interesting next year when I get to find the Jackbox Lounge and, and the NBN Theatre, or whatever they call it next year. Yeah. Um, it's also, like, it's not just PAX, it's Melbourne Games Week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually found myself doing more outside of the PAX hall than I've actually ever done before. And I think you did some as well, Pat, from memory. Yes. Um, Bethesda had a Worlds of Bethesda. Uh, I don't know how to describe this essentially a bar um there were no games you you went along to it as well (laughs) i did yeah i i did i wish i hadn't have left pax to go to it but i did (laughs) 
Yep, fair enough. <sighs> um, but so I, I, I don't know. I think mine was a bit different. I went to a media event where it was like a handful of journalists and mm-hmm. there was no general public uh, and they were still setting it up. So... <laughs> Uh, hopefully it was better when there were people there and it was finished. Please tell me it was. Well, I don't want to lie on a show. <laughs> um, look, it was... I... You know, for, for all the failings that Bethesda has had over the years and continues to have, they they continue to get off scot-free in my mind just because of my love for the games that they put out. Yeah. And, you know, when I saw the opportunity for this to come up, uh, it was like, a, it was again, we did it mid-afternoon on the on the Saturday and it ended up, instead of going back to PAX and kicking on for the night, we went, uh, let's go and get a beer and go back to the hotel. <sighs> but yeah. what, what it was essentially was it was three different rooms with a different theme for each room. So, sorry, four different rooms if you count the bar. In the main bar area, they had, you know, a bit of a nightclub sort of feel um, and a few things up for, for Redfall. Uh, not really a whole lot, but it was just, you know, uh, some neon stuff on the wall, some um, PCs that were set up that were done in a Redfall or Starfield sort of vibe. Uh, they had a room set up for Elder Scrolls which is Elder Scrolls is my, you know, it's my big thing. Skyrim's still one of my favourite games of all time. Okay. Couldn't get in. Couldn't get into the room, though. They were doing, <laughs> like, a, um, a a tavern storytelling sort of thing in there uh, where you go and get your uh, bottle of um, lemon, lime and bitters drink, which I'm trying to look around my desk to see if I put it here, but I think it's in the fridge because I did pinch one to bring home. Um, yeah, go and sit in there and listen to stories. They had a Starfield room that was literally just a robot that was just standing there with some stars painted on the wall behind it, and then a Fallout room. And the Fallout room had games game set up. You could have a bit of a play on the Fallout seventy six, and then they had this kitchen set up with all this paraphernalia from Fallout throughout the generations um, behind it. Which now, was, hmm? now, I have a very important question. Yep. Did you see the donut wall? Did I see? Of course I saw the donut wall. Great. I wasn't sure if it would l- still be there because a few people in my group nearly took a donut. Nearly? Nearly. They were, they were like pleading with us to get rid of them. Really? Well, this was at yeah, the they're like. This was yeah, like they, before they opened to the public, so. <laughs> okay, they were just like, would you like a donut? Here, you have a donut. Here, you have a donut. Oh, you're tall. Can you get one of the donuts off the top? <laughs> yeah. So, I, I may have had one or two. Yeah. Right. Okay. Were they as good as they smelled? Yes. Because we they're, were all like, crispy. are you sure we can't have one? Damn it. They're crispy Cream donuts, mate. They could have been oh. there for 10 years and still been the same. True. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the donut wall was the highlight of the Bethesda event. It sure was all Actually, that I talked about. No, the the drink. Did you get some of the drinks that they were doing? No, and let's not go there. No? Okay. <laughs> uh, we were told no drinks. So we were there at 10 a.m. on Friday. No, these, these weren't alcoholic. Um, 
like we got nothing. Like the bar okay. was still being set up. So yeah, yeah. They really all right. Well, they, they were a, they were a um, uh, it was like a lemon lime and bitters type thing, non-alcoholic, uh, and it was designed after something within the Elder Scrolls world. I can't remember oh, what it was right. off the top of my head, but okay. it was actually really nice. Hence me going up and going, "Thank you." <laughs> I might borrow this one as well. <laughs> another one, and yes. another, and another. Yeah. <laughs> another place I went to, which I live in Melbourne. And I feel like an idiot that I didn't know about this uh, is a place called the Fortress. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, never been. Got invited by Alienware. They had a huge setup there, so I'm like, you know what? I'll break up my mm. Saturday. I'll like come over at one o'clock on Saturday. It'll give me a good break. Um, that venue is insane. Like, yes, absolutely insane. Um, the, you know, marketing communications person, Kate took me through the whole venue, talked me through everything. There's a whole lore of how it came about. There's characters all over the walls and there's a story of like how the fortress came to be, which, you know, is insane. Um, you can play games there right now till Monday free of charge in their land lounge for two hours just because it still packs <laughs> like okay that's amazing that's cool um and they have streaming pods um we're actually going to be streaming live from there on twitch this podcast starting next week fingers crossed um they had they were taking part in the hunt which was people running around scanning qr codes to get pins um, did either of you head into the fortress for any of that? I, I tried to get, I went with three other people. We all drove down together. Right. And, um, yeah, I sort of said, yeah, let's go. Come on, let's go. Let's go. And then our rage caught up with all of us. So, <laughs> uh, and they're all a lot younger than I am. So right. I don't know what their problem was, but, um, yeah, unfortunately not ran out of time and oomph. Yeah, yeah, didn't go this weekend, but I have been previously, and it's awesome. Dell just threw so much money, and it paid off. It's it's absolutely insane. I was, like, my jaw was on the floor the whole time, and they're just walking me through telling me all about, so there's, like, a 200-seat arena in this, like, huge upstairs area where people just go and watch esports. Um, mm-hmm. They're doing movie nights there, so there's a Pokemon movie night happening um in a couple of weeks and they do friday night dungeons and flagons which i'm actually think i'm gonna try i've never played it but i just like the idea of sitting in a tavern themed pub <laughs> drinking a D&D? flag and a beer and you know someone showing me how to play D. okay cool i'll do that yeah yeah you, you haven't played uh, dmd before this be never no this will be my first oh, time man. I'm excited for you. Um, so yeah, just stuff like that. It's and it's family friendly, which I was very surprised at as well. I this is the first year that I've been to PAX, so I didn't do the whole Twitch thing until the lockdown, of course, because you know when I ran out of watching every single video on TikTok, there wasn't much left to do. 
mm-hmm. so I signed up to Twitch and started following a few people and I actually got to like literally run into them in person at PAX and I know in my mind they're not actual celebrities but it felt like a celebrity moment <laughs> with a few of them I'm like I've been watching you for two years which sounds creepy when you say it out loud um <laughs> Any, anywhere else I'd look at you funny. Yeah. yeah, thank God they didn't take it that way. Um, but that just added a, a whole other layer for me to PAX was just being able to say, uh, so this one guy, I'm like, you're the first streamer that I ever watched. The first streamer I ever watched. And you played Animal Crossing for hours and just did the most ridiculous, stupid things because it was fun. Mm-hmm. Insane. No, well, it's like yeah, well, it's it's insane. a good thing to do to get out there too. I've I've had we had a few people, um, and I had a few people come up and say, "Hey, Paddy, how are you?" And couldn't figure out who they were until they told me their <laughs> handle and realised it. Oh, right, um, yeah, yeah, and sort of <laughs> just <laughs> just people, people that have seen my head around the place uh, and whatnot, which was which was really cool. Uh, and again, seeing those people that. Um, you know, I followed on. I I don't watch a lot of Twitch. I used mm. to stream to Twitch quite a lot, um, and got my affiliate and all that sort of jazz. And then, just it was too much work for for no little return, very little return. Yeah. But um, yeah. Look, it's a it's weird because you do have these people that's like, oh my god, that's so and so, or that's so and so. And like, I was standing, I was standing in the alone in the dark. Um, Line up and Stephanie Ben Dixon walked past, which is Hex. Yeah. Um, so she was on Good Game and, and all that sort of stuff. And I've I've met Hex dozens of times throughout, you know, covering my, my covering of games and and events and whatnot over the years. So for me, it was like, oh yeah, there goes Hex. How you going? Yeah, see you later. Uh, but the amount of people that were so excited, oh my god, that's Hex. You know, what should we do? What should we do? I'm like, can't say hello. Can't, yeah. You want, you want me to call out? What, you know? Yeah. What are you gonna, can't <laughs> say good day to her if you want to say good day to her. She's, she's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was a few good people to, to go and catch up with and and just sort of people that you bump into that, uh, you know, that I've been speaking to online uh, or on socials for years and never got to meet in person. It was good to finally meet them in person. So that's... Uh, kind of what the whole community feel was like wasn't it yeah yeah 100 percent. and i felt like i don't know just like there was a lot more and maybe because it was spaced out better i just feel like there was way there was a lot more i didn't get shoved this year i didn't get pushed i didn't get <laughs> prodded or anything like that everyone was fairly respectful yeah because all the assholes were at me that's why sorry <laughs> i got they must have all come looking for me. <laughs> the whole, uh, obviously, it's, I didn't realize it was literally the entire convention center, and you sort of you sort of got like halfway, and I was like, okay, this is the end, and then you realize that that's actually just the cutoff, and then the tabletop area is beyond that. Yeah. It got me like a couple of times. Mm. Did you guys spend much time in that that um, that second area? A little bit, yeah. I'm big into um, yeah. tabletop, so. Good, some good oh, stuff good. there. Um, any last thoughts on PAX 2022? Closing thoughts. 
hopefully hopefully next year's bigger and better i think this year was a bit of a testing of the waters so to speak um with you know nothing nothing really been done over the last two and a half three years uh so they sort of were a bit um a bit standoffish and and worried people wouldn't come back mm. which you know was proven wrong uh and for all the the packs and forces out there good job but make up your minds and stick with it don't start <laughs> this go and line up over there oh now you can go in i oh, know we want you to go back outside and line up i oh, know you can go in now but line up over there no just go away just one line it's all we need <laughs> yeah it should just be one line no. doesn't make sense <laughs> <laughs> and look i i feel like it might be my favorite packs because i didn't have it for two years and this is probably the first big event that i've been to since lockdown lifted here mm-hmm. um so that's probably a playing a really big part of it and this is probably the first year where i really went in as media and went hard and spoke to as many people as I could and really put myself out there and went, okay, tell me all about your game, play the game, cool, tell me more, let's keep in touch, great. I haven't really done it like that before. Um, oh, but it's a, it's a fantastic thing. I did that in 2019 uh, and I went down by myself. So it was yeah. just literally me for three days. Yeah. Um, and I didn't stop the entire time and the amount of people that I still talk to that, you know, we've followed the games and, and and you'll start, you know, now that you've spoken to them and keep in touch with them and you'll start to see, you know, how they progress through and what they get done. It's, it's fantastic to just have that little bit of a relationship there. And it gives you a, um, I suppose a, a want to go to the next one as well. Because you yeah. want to see these people again. You want to, you know, you, you want to see what they've done, what they're working on. Um, yeah, like yeah. how far you've come since last year. E- everyone was polite. Everyone was happy. Everyone was welcoming. Uh, you know, there was just just everyone that was there to have fun. Again, just getting out and amongst it. You know, all those people feeding off every, everyone else's positivity was was infectious. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. Um, you know, and despite the long lines and all of that stuff, um, it was still, you know, everyone was still in good spirits. Everyone was excited to be there. And I think definitely excited for, and I'm, this is probably a lot of people's first big event since lockdown was over. Um, so there was just something about it that just, I don't know, it just felt like a moment that I'm probably going to remember. And I was by myself for most of it, but I didn't feel like I was alone, if that makes sense. Mm. Mm. There's always someone to talk to at PAX. Yeah. Insane. Yep. Before we go, I just want to say thank you both for taking time out to come and chat about PAX. Sorry we didn't get to meet in person because schedules were oh, no. crazy. I didn't even know that Luca was there. So <laughs> just oh, one of those things, but it's yeah. always next year. Probably walked past each other a dozen times. 
Most definitely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So before we go, Pat, please tell everyone where they can listen to your podcast and find your stuff. Uh, Come and join us on YouTube, the HXP show. Uh, We've, we're we're starting to put a lot more energy into our YouTube channel. So that's probably the, um, the best way for the, for the gaming stuff to come and join us there. Every second Monday night, we go live, live show giveaways fun laugh i'll be honest it's probably a crude joke or two uh but uh, that's that's part of the fun if they're listening to this podcast <laughs> they're used to that it's fine <laughs> well can, can i can i say something that um my, one thing with packs we uh what was it oh the cosplay didn't didn't matter who was who was dressing up everyone looked absolutely phenomenal yeah Mm. it was on steroids this year yep like and the fact you know a lot of them didn't uh go into the hall they hung it outside and Mm. took endless photos um and they don't get paid for that (laughs) they do it all off their own back um, one of our, you know, friends of the website cosplay J came as Batman and just looks absolutely phenomenal. Didn't have a ticket, just stood outside, let everyone take as many photos as they wanted for the whole three days. Absolute gem of a guy. Yeah. Fantastic. Just there, you know, so everyone can have a good time. Like, those are the cosplayers that you really just go, like, amazing. Amazing. Um, and I was I was with um, two friends who were who were both cosplaying as uh, Genshin Impact characters. Uh, couldn't walk 10 feet without someone stopping them and asking for a picture. And everyone was super lovely. It was, it was, yeah, it was really nice. Obviously, it was difficult to get through the hall, but it was still fun. <laughs> all that matters um excellent well look we'll have the link to the hxp in the show notes so you can just click on there and watch that amazing content you can read lucas stuff on our website nervousdreamnetwork.com uh is one of our new writers so there's more stuff coming soon from you right yes <laughs> Yes, some good stuff as well. All right, thanks again for joining me, and hopefully, we will have you both back on uh, sometime in the future. Anytime, mate. Anytime. Yeah, sounds good. Welcome back to Pop Culture Essentials. Thanks for sticking around. I'm back with Nick and Pete. Howdy, howdy. I'm excited to listen to that PAX talk. That came out really sarcastic. I didn't mean it that it, way. Wow. I'm, like, wow. I'm genuinely, wow. I'm genuinely excited to hear it, guys. Especially wow. because in this edit, the PAX talk has just happened. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Thanks, Nick. Like, wow. Can't <laughs> wait to listen to the PAX talk. <laughs> Let's try, we'll try that one again. Sorry. Take two. Take two. Take two. Wow. That PAX talk. Wow. Mwah. It, it still sounds it. like you're it, the it actually sounds more sarcastic now. Yeah. Okay. All right. Take three. Last chance. Last chance. <clears throat> I like Pax talks because <laughs> they're just like Pax talks. <laughs> <laughs>
Let's move right along. Pete, what happened in the box office this week? That actually couldn't be more perfect because the thing that people like about movies is that (laughs) Don't Worry Darling was the number one film in Australia for the week Thursday the 6th of October to Wednesday the 12th. It took out the top spot making 2.7 million dollars so that's a that's a good little wow that's shit more people than i thought controversy and love them some howie styles um <laughs> dropping to number two was dc league of super pets which had 2.3 million now up to 16.74 million dollars so it's i think what? it's, it's had wow. some it's had some legs that is for damn sure. And that just got released on demand. Like I saw over the weekend, it's now on VOD. Yeah. Holy so, shit. Crazy. Yeah. Um, this this made me very happy. Uh, Smile stayed um, in the top five. Number three with $2.05 million. So Let's fucking go. Yes. Or, nice. I mean, it also did really well in the states in its second mm. week too but that in australia i was like that's kind of almost unheard of um so good so very very happy and at number four ticket to paradise still doing very well 1.66 million has made 13.4 um this will finally get released in the states this week that's it's, crazy so, to it's think. so crazy that they gave this to us super early yeah um, but I'm sure it'll probably do some pretty big numbers in the States, I think. Um, and surprisingly, Amsterdam debuted at number five with 1.25 million. So hmm, I think you know, that, that's a decent number for a film that's been pretty like slaughtered. Yeah. Um, and um, Nick, I think this might make you a little bit happy because debuting yeah. at number six, Walk Boys Forever. Oh, can officially say with nine hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Can officially say I'm not part of that nine hundred and eighty thousand dollars, but I will definitely be part of the twelve dollars fifty I spent on it today <laughs> when I went and saw it. <laughs> so I'm proud uh, to be about part of those numbers next week. Yeah, um, pause of fury is still <laughs> seven. It just it never ceases to make a block. Um, it made $700,000, like, uh, big ups for Pause of Fury. Mm. Uh, I saw, see, I saw see how they for it at the cinema today, just, and I started laughing. Um, see how they run at number eight. Um, so good. Uh, it's one of those movies' titles that I'm going to butcher. Barber, Bangra, Pondanay. <laughs> Probably the worst. Worst. <laughs> At number nine and fall still in there at number 10. Wow, fall so, just hanging in there, yeah, yeah, hanging in there. So, uh, proof that people love them some cinema, amen. Multiplexes ain't going anywhere. Thanks in streaming. So, we're looking at the week. Of... Well, welcome, Alistair. That was so, so <laughs> condescending the way you like such a, such a catty little episode today. <laughs> totally like editing that out. That's really bad. <laughs> <coughs> um, for streaming now, we're looking at the week of September 12th to 18. And we have a little race on our hands. 
Uh, two huge fantasy shows going up against each other. Of course, I'm talking about House of the Dragon, Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. There can only be one winner. And the, the winner is the Rings of Power. Wow. Four episodes with 988 million minutes. House of the Dragon... Five episodes, 960 million Ooh, minutes. Interesting. That's, That's a pretty, pretty tight race. That is it's very tight. consistent for House of the Dragon too, isn't it? It really just hasn't cracked that that uh, one billion mark yet. Beaten mm. by the salt of the rim. As rim. they say. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> so... The, <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, so they're in uh, second and third spot. Uh, coming in at number one was Cobra Kai, of course, nice. uh, which did the 1.918. Crazy number. Huge. New season. Everyone's in there, of course. Uh, interesting enough, Thor Love and Thunder. This was week one and it slipped in at number nine with 635 million minutes. It slipped in and now I'm Thor. Not bad for a movie that apparently everyone hates. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. Thanks for that. <laughs> uh, slid right past it. And I said slid again. <laughs> Great. Uh, and other debuts was The Handmaid's Tale uh, coming in at number five uh, with 581 million minutes. Looking over at Netflix, so in Australia, the top 10 films for last week. Uh, number one was The Luckiest Girl Alive. Did either of you watch this? I'm yet to watch this. I've heard mixed things. Mm. But I'm I, in the same I like I like Mila Kunis, so I'm, and apparently it's got promising young woman vibes, which has made me excited. Oh, but, okay. Yeah. That's pretty pretty intense too towards the end. Yeah. So, hmm. uh, the dry came in at number two. Oh, nice, nice, good movie. Um, and Mr. Harrigan's phone at number three. Anyone watched that yet? No, I. I We're all so busy. I was like, oh, well, that too. But I was I've watched an interview where I was like, oh, this sounds intriguing, and then I watched looked at every review, and I'm like, oh, it's apparently trash so ah damn it when i do when i do like my last like end of the year ditch to watch everything on streaming that i missed this year which is pretty much everything on streaming mm. uh i might watch it then when i've after i found three hours for blonde yeah well how many times will you see walk boys three hey come on is the question <laughs> 1250 wasn't such a bad deal true uh, Dharma Monster, the Jeffrey Dharma story, aka Pete's favorite oh. title for a TV show ever, <laughs> Greatest. uh, keeps its number one spot for the third week in a row. Oh, people love them. Some serial killers. Insane. Uh, new shows, Bling Empire, uh, and Conversations with a Killer, the Jeffrey Dharma tapes, Jesus. uh, <laughs> Debuted at number five and six, so they didn't actually do too well. Uh, and Heartbreak High rose to number two. Right. 
I mean, I'm still yet to watch that, but I'm really excited to. Great. <laughs> cool. Thanks. Sorry for, that, for my rolling commentary. I haven't watched <laughs> Fuck it. Me. <laughs> it was just funny to make it awkward. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> weekly episodes. The next week it'll be heartbreak higher. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we could only hope. I'm proud of that one. Yeah, you should. That be. was good. That was good. And weekly episodes of Rick and Morty season six are keeping that nice and high, coming in at number seven. Uh, yeah, I'm guessing I'm we have no fans. <laughs> Great, cool. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> were you actually excited, Nick, or were you just feeling? No, I was just feeling the filling air. the void. <laughs> fill in the void with As my you do. commentary uh, and I'm sore still speaking of filling the void it's that time <laughs> rather than filling now the void bend over uh, <laughs> yeah fill my void Nick I think rather than filling the void this game makes us stare into the void as stated earlier there is a Halloween theme with Halloween ends hitting cinemas and on Peacock in the US, debuting to surprising box office numbers, all things considering. Um, what do we all briefly... The Halloween franchise. So, the three Ooh. movies we Ooh. have are all in the Halloween universe. And starting with the OG, the one that started it all, 1978's Halloween. Now, we're, we're at one game apiece at the moment. So, we're going to start... With last week's winner, Alistair, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think the critics' score for 1978's Halloween is? Well, this is difficult because it didn't exist when this movie was out. It's a good point. It's a good point. I will uh, say this: it has 81 critic reviews and 250,000 audience reviews. So, shit. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go 98%. 98. And Pete, audience, sorry, critics score for 1978's Halloween. Um, yeah, because I'm like, because I'm thinking because there's only not, I mean, there's not that many critic reviews, but as I know, most critics pretty much love the shit out of this film. Mm. So Adore it, yeah. I'm, oh... I'm going to say 95. Alrighty. And Alistair, audience score for Halloween. Let's go backwards. I'm going 89. Ooh. Alrighty. And Pete? I'm going to say... Yeah, this is one that... Yeah, I think this is one that... I'm going to say 90 because I know that pretty much audiences are in love with this one too. They're basically in love with it. Yeah. Uh, someone who is in love with it more than the audiences are the critics because, Alistair, you said 98. Pete, you said 95. Your critics' score for Halloween is 96. So a point both ways Ooh. as you were within the 3%. Yeah, which wait, I should does that mean that critics get something right? What? I Exactly. Uh, which I should have mentioned earlier how Rotten Potatoes works because I got so sidetracked on, on Halloween Ends talks. 
I will give the boys the movie. They have to guess the critic score, audience score. They guess within 3%. They get a point. If they guess it dead on, they get two points. And the reason I bring that up is because someone has guessed the audience score dead on. Alistair, you said 89. Pete, you said 90. You're in with a percent of each other. Mm. Two mm-hmm. points goes to 89. Alistair, two points. Ah. Pete. Pete still gets one point, though, in there. So we've got a three to two opening for Rotten Potatoes. That was 1978's Halloween. Uh, that movie is a 100% in my book. Yeah. Moving on. To 20 years later. Oh. In fact, we're moving on to Halloween H2O 20 oh, years later. Now you're talking. Love 1998 Ooh. soft reboot, bringing Jamie Lee Curtis back into the franchise. Alistair, since you are still in front, what do you believe <sighs> the audience, sorry, the critics score for Halloween H2O is? I'm going to say 50%. Fifty percent and Pete. That was yeah. Um, so a little more divisive, 50, hey, than the original Halloween. Fifty-five. Fifty-five, 55. and Alistair audience. I, I can't score. remember that this one wasn't like. Is weird. Like it wasn't really that well received, really. But it's gained a bit of a cult following, mm. some would say. Yeah. So, uh, you yeah. know, a bit more love for it these days. Do you feel like that may have affected the audience score, Alistair? No. <laughs> I know so many people <laughs> that hate this movie. Um, I'm going to say mm, 49% right. on Rotten Tomatoes. Pete? Um... I'm going to say like 60%. I think, I, I don't know. I feel like audiences like this one. The critics score, Alistair, you guessed 50. Pete, you said 55. Yeah. The critics score, a point each way because it is 52, smack bang in the Ooh. middle, both okay. within the 3%. Okay. Now, yeah. Be- That's all I'm saying. So, it, yeah, the audience score, right? Not as not as loved, obviously, by critics when it came out, but audiences have made this into a bit of a cult classic. Pete and I actually rewatched it last year for movie monthly movie marathon. S- small plug, uh, and we both really enjoyed it. Pete, you said sixty. Alistair, mm-hmm. you said forty nine. Oh shit! Yep. It seems like audiences on Rotten Tomatoes have not caught up yet because the score is forty nine. On Get the top. Off. So out. on the two-pointer there, bringing his score up to six. And this Pete, you are on four. Highly suspicious, Alistair. Mm-hmm. Two audience scores in a row. But mm-hmm. it is six to four. Sorry, six to three, my bad. <laughs> six to three. So, but it's still anyone's game. There are points to be won, and there will be points to be won on 2007... Rob Zombie's oh. reboot of Halloween. Oh. One of the most heinous, disgusting films tough. ever made. In my yeah. opinion, not a fan of this one. No. This was rough. Yeah. But what did the critics think, Alistair? Mm, what is your I guess for the score? I think this was pretty bad. How bad? Uh, I'm going to say like... 
27. And paint? Um, 25. Alrighty, and to round it off, Alistair, what do you believe the audience score is for Rob Zombie's Halloween? Uh, let's go 57. And Pete? I feel like I don't know if audiences. I feel like some people really love Rob Zombie's movie. Yeah. Like I know so many people rate Halloween two like really really mm. high. Um, Two hundred and fifty thousand people have. I'm gonna say. This I'm gonna say sixty percent. Sixty percent. Yeah. Let's start with the audience score, shall we? Okay. Mm. Alistair, you said 57. Pete, you said 60. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The audience score for Rob Zombie's Halloween is 59. That is a point Ooh. each way. We are at seven to four. Mm. Now, this means Alistair has won. Unfortunately for Pete, apologies. Oh. <laughs> wow. Share well, the love true. for me. It's true. It's true. I'm just pointing out facts, but... Let's find out how much Alistair has won by. So, audience score, Alistair, you guessed 27. Pete, you guessed 25. Mm. You both get a point. <gasps> yes. you are both within this range. Because people think this movie is shit. Yep. But Alistair, you get two points because it is 27 on the dots. <laughs> Seriously. Finishing off... Dolly Parton couldn't have said it better herself. The score is nine to five to <laughs> Alistair for this week's Rotten Potatoes, your second can of Pepsi Maxes in the mail. Oh, I'm still waiting on the first can. Yeah, Australia Post delays. You know, mm-hmm. COVID, COVID really hit everyone hard. The pandemic um, finished last week, Nick. What? Yeah. Who it said ended. that? Dan Andrews? Yep. Um, is out. he still around? What's he up to? Anyway, <laughs> we're not a political podcast. Let's move on. Halloween. <laughs> Done and dusted. Halloween ends. Go see it in cinemas. Go watch it on Peacock. Uh, thank you for playing Rotten Potatoes, where next week we'll be doing much of the same thing. Well, that nearly brings us to the end. But we do have one more thing to do. The favourite the favorite part of the show this week and every week. What is essential in your pop culture? Nick, let's start with Pete this week. <laughs> <sighs> Got to put it in different times. <laughs> Pete, what is essential for you? I love getting it put in different times. Ah, uh, thank you, Alistair. Um, that's love what's it. essential to him. <laughs> yeah, I've, I'm done. Yeah. Um, no, what's essential to me is um, I'm just lately, I've just been um, catching up on a little reality television show that plays in Australia called The Amazing Race Australia because I ah. am I'm a massive Amazing Race fan and I really actually really like the Australian series this is like one of the first ones where they've been able to go around the world because they're sort of it's after well not after COVID but you know international travel is a thing um I think Bo Ryan is actually a really good host um mm. and yeah we just I've just been watching it sort of every night 
two or three episodes and have the people that I like and the people that I don't like and I yell at the screen when I don't like things and <laughs> I comment like, oh, that's so nice of them. So, yeah, it's just, um, yeah, I just, I mean, it's, it's proof that Australia can do good reality when it's not fucking people cheating on each other and trying to find husband and wives. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. But Nick, what about you? My pop culture essential for this week is a movie I watched and it was surprised released on digital here uh, without really any, any kerfuffle about it, no real marketing. It just sort of came out. And I'm a huge fan of Kevin Smith movies. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Viewersk universe. Um, I watched Clerks when I worked in a video store. So I was like a young, impressionable teenager. And I was like, this is like what movies I want to make uh, when I was that age. So almost 20, sorry, almost 30 years after the first Clerks movie came out, Clerks 3 was released on digital this weekend. And I couldn't wait to watch it. I watched Clerks 2, then I watched Clerks 3. And as a movie, Clerks 3 is fine. Uh, it's the classic Kev Kevin Smith sort of humor. Some of it hits, some, is it, some of it doesn't. The story and the pacing's a little bit jumbled. However, the last... But in saying that, sorry, before that last 20 minutes, it just feels like you're hanging out with old friends. And I've got a really nice, like, nostalgic feeling. He brings back a lot of old characters. It was just a really nice, good feeling hanging out with old friends. Uh, but then the last 20 minutes happens, and it's... I think it's Kevin Smith's best work. I think it's the best thing he's ever made. Um, I think it's the best acting from Brian O'Halloran who plays Dante and the best acting from Jeff, Jeff Anderson who plays Randall. I'm getting teary eyed even just talking about it uh, because I was a blubbering mess watching this last 20 minutes of Clerks 3. Uh, it's a beautiful send off for the characters. It's a beautiful conclusion to this trilogy. Um, and I say beautiful because it's a very mature movie for Kevin Smith and some of the themes it deals with that obviously Dean, um, he puts a lot of himself in the movie. If you don't know Kevin Smith, about five or so years ago, had a near-fatal heart attack. Um, he was pretty much supposed to die. The heart attack he had kills... Uh, uh, kills uh, or you only, like, 20% survival rate or something like that. And that plays into the movie as well. Um, and so it's a really mature movie that deals with those themes. But, the, yeah, the last 20 minutes is, is beautiful and heartbreaking uh, and really, really well done. And I even found myself today just thinking of it at random points and starting to tear up with, with how good it was. And I, and I can't wait to watch it again. So if you're a fan of Kevin Smith uh, and you're a big fan of the Clerks movies, Clerks 3 is essential viewing. It's a great nostalgic uh, uh, movie, a great nostalgic ride. And it is just a beautiful send off for these characters. It is, is like I'm genuinely like as I'm talking to you, I have tears in my eyes thinking about it. So uh, watch it. Watch it. It's fucking amazing. Oh, thanks, Hagen. <laughs> no blood in Clerks 3 Hagen You'll be fine Good times <laughs> And what about you Alistair What's essential Thanks Pete I forgot how to talk for a second Yeah he's too busy crying <laughs> I'm yeah. too busy uh, crying over here Well look obviously last weekend was PAX um, And it's been two years Since we've been to one in person And it was The last one I went to was very like Corporate-y marketing it felt like that kind of thing mm. this year uh the big three didn't go playstation xbox nintendo um ubisoft didn't go bethesda didn't go 
So it was a very different kind of event. Um, and look, gamers have a bit of a reputation of being recluses. Uh, you know, the kind of image of like sitting at home, playing on your computer, not talking to anyone. And PAX was the complete opposite of what that persona is. Um, the crowd numbers were like record numbers for PAX. Everyone was respectful. Ever, like I didn't get pushed or shoved. Apparently other people did. I did not. Oh, uh, and I met a lot of people that I've watched on Twitch during the pandemic uh, who were like literally just standing around talking to people. Um, pushing and shoving them. Pushing and shoving them, unless your name's Alistair, and then they were lovely. <laughs> um, but look, the, it really felt like a community event. Uh, and it was just really, it just felt like everyone was there to have a good time. There were no like fights or dust ups or anything like that. So I just want to say thanks to the gaming community for not being a stereotype, uh, and for wearing deodorant this year. (laughs) <laughs> this is the first year that I haven't I gone stupid crystal shit. Oh, horrible. <laughs> so thank you for wearing deodorant and for being a great community. Um, yeah. So that is it. Another episode down. Where can they find your stuff? Pete. Uh, you can find my stuff on Twitter and Instagram at rated PDG. I am also uh, on Rotten Tomatoes under my name. The last time I spelt it, you gave me shit for it. That's <laughs> fine. You can find me there. Um, I forgot about that. On the aureview.com. And I also co-host a lovely podcast with um, the beautiful Nick Laburro uh, yes. called, the Mo- called The Monthly Movie Marathon. Um, Stop and- it, he can tell you where to find it because I'm not going to do all of his plugging because uh, <laughs> plugging enough. Wow. <laughs> We've already plugged this week. Um, and because how? the podcast came out. Uh, yeah, and you can find me at Nick's Flix Fix on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, 60 Second Movie Reviews on Instagram, and they've been going gangbusters this week. There's a lot of content to cover, uh, and there will be a lot of content coming soon uh, when I cover the Brisbane International Film Festival, which I'll also be covering on Novastream Network. Uh, so if you head to novastreamnetwork.com, you'll find all my reviews and interviews there. The latest one that went up was just a press conference coverage of the Black Adam cast. So we had quotes from The Rock and Pierce Brosnan, which is pretty bloody cool. Uh, And as Pete said, monthly movie marathon, we just dropped our uh, Dwayne Johnson episode for The Rock in which we did a shot of Terramana tequila to start the episode. And it was fucking good. Uh, So it was very good. Uh, So yeah, uh, you can find that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Just type in either Nick's Flix Fix or monthly movie marathon. Uh, where can they find you, Alistair? Oh, how lovely of you to remember me this time around. Thanks, Nicholas. <laughs> uh, well, he didn't call me beautiful, but that's okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Guys, stop fighting over me. Come on. I'll bring more Drake back. Don't make me do it. Okay. okay. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Alistair. You can find my movie stuff at com and my gaming stuff and pack stuff over at the AU Review. Dot com.